0: You're listening to the Tahlequah First United Methodist Church's Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy listening to our message today, and that we hope you check us out online at Tahlequahumc.org. Oh, wait a minute. Now I'm on. (laughs) There we are. Hi, everybody. Well, did you know... Let me fix myself here. So you can hear me. There you go that in the first century, the name Christian was initially given a slang negative term. It was directed towards those men and those women who looked like and acted like Jesus. This is in the first century. So consequently, to be called Christian implied being like Christ. But today, the term Christian has been watered down so much that it rarely implies anything like family history, tradition, or title. So the question I'm bringing to you today is, what does it mean to become like Christ? And how does it happen? For some straightforward answers about this, let's read today's scripture. Please open your Bibles with me and turn with me to the book of Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. You know, this thing stayed on me all morning long, and now that it's time to preach, it's not going to stay on. Maybe if i there we go. what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you, but sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and not all the members have the same function. So we are... Many are one body in Christ, and individually, we are members one of another. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, prophecy in proportion to faith, ministry in ministering, the teacher in teaching, the exhorter in exhortation, the giver in generosity, the leader in diligence, the compassionate in cheerfulness. This is the word of the Lord for the people of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So in this passage, a key word jumps out at me. That points us to becoming like Christ. And that word is transform. That jumps out at me personally because, you see, I can form a lot in my job, working with so many diverse people on an everyday basis. And in doing so, I do believe that my mind, as Paul says, is renewed and transformed as a Christian. Paul calls for a new way of thinking that takes into account for others. I look at this as not to just rearrange your thinking, but to totally change your lifestyle from the top to the bottom. Let me explain with an example of this type of rearrange or change I'm talking about. As a lot of you know, and some of you heard last week, we did a lot of renovation in the Wesley. And so um, the second day, we just started the first day of Nick and Abigail taping everything and We had a couple of other helpers in there. And and the second day, the second day of this three-week process, I walked in and said, Oh, I wish I had never done any of this. And poor Abigail, you could see, just start to wilt. And so I went home that night. And for those of you that have cable television have maybe seen this uh, show called Trading Spaces. And it happened, I was clicking through I was going to cook dinner, and I just clicked through, and that came on. So I thought, I'm going to watch this. Maybe I'll get some pointers about how to fix the Wesley. I didn't, by the way. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. The show Trading Spaces features two people or two couples who agree to let each other remodel a room in their apartment or in their house. And there is only one condition. They can do whatever they want to your place they have full reign and you can do whatever you want to theirs now with the help of the trading staff the renovation takes place in 24 hours tops and sometimes they're quite quite pleased with their renovations but other times their disappointment is monumental now though i'm not a frequent watcher The show I saw two weeks ago had a couple remodeling their best friend's family room. Out went the cedar paneling off the walls. They covered up the big, beautiful fireplace, completely covered it up, boarded it up, and covered it up. The carpeting, they ripped it off and threw it out. Then the entire room was painted Pepto-Bismol Pink. When the homeowners came in and took their blindfolds off, (laughs) the man, he was angry, to say the least. He was so mad. And the woman, well, she just couldn't quit crying. She just sat there and wept in her hands. Now, I'm sure this remodeling phase was not good for their friendship, but let me tell you, I'm sure it was great for TV ratings. And so the next day, as I walked in the third day at the Wesley, I told Abigail, I love this, what we're going to do, and it's going to be such a great thing, and I love you, and it's all okay. Because I knew those walls were not going to be Pepto-Bismol pink. It occurs to me, though, as I watch treading spaces, that all changes are merely cosmetic. They're not changing anything. They're simply rearranging what is already There. If, if they really wanted to change the house, they'd spend $1,000 on a bulldozer and tear off the guest bedroom. Can you imagine? You know that room with the terrible green carpet? Well, you don't have to worry about that anymore. It's gone. Now, as ludicrous as that sounds, I want to spend our time this morning making the distinction between the things in this life that are truly changed and those that are merely... Rearranged. Specifically, I want to focus on our spiritual lives and consider whether God has called us to be radically different people in this world that we live in, or or if we're just going to be rearranged people. And is it good enough? This sermon I'm preaching today actually finds its beginning some two thousand years ago, when Paul is writing a letter to the church of Roman of Rome and Christianity was only a few years old at the time and Paul was crafting a doctrine by which the church would operate this new religion needed a structure to run on and that's what Paul was doing so for the better part of 11 chapters in Romans Paul creates a theology a sort of standard operating procedure But now in the 12th chapter, Paul changes gears fast. He seems to be answering the question, as I read, therefore, let me tell you how to do this. Therefore, we're going to do this way. Seems to be answering the question, so how does all the theology stuff affect our lives? Paul uses the rest of the letter of Romans, but specifically the eight verses that we read this morning, to answer that critical question. If Jesus died for sinful people, how then shall we live our lives? It's a question that still stands today, over 2,000 years ago. If Jesus died for me, how should I live? First, Paul says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. That's a strange phrase for we who live in this 21st century. But for the people of the first century, it was astounding news. You see, for centuries, faithful Jews had pleased God through the sacrificing of animals. If God was angry, kill a cow. If you needed to atone for some sins in your life, Pitch a dead lamb on an altar. Paul is now saying, enough of the killing. Stop it. God doesn't want dead animals. God wants alive people. God wants vibrant, joyful people. Living out their faith in every corner of this world. Strangely though, Christians are still pretty good at sacrificing Now, we don't slaughter a lamb when we feel remorse over sin. We punish ourselves with guilt and shame. Even when we believe that God has forgiven us, we often refuse to forgive ourselves. And we punish others for their sins too. We judge them, we criticize them, we condemn them. I've heard it said before that the Christian church is the only army in the world that shoots its own wounded. But in Paul's very next breath, he says that God doesn't want the process to end there. Forgiveness is just the beginning. It's just the beginning. But the Christian life is a journey in which we take thousands and thousands of baby steps to become more and more like Jesus. I have to tell you, some days I think I have taken a football field towards Jesus. And other days, I'm pretty sure I've taken two cities away. Just baby steps in other words it doesn't happen all at once it happens over a lifetime so these are paul's words do not be conformed by this world but be transformed by god do not be conformed by this world but be transformed by god do you know how easy it is to be conformed to the standards of this world It happens to us every day. The world tells us to wear certain clothes, so I wear certain clothes. The world tells us to use certain phones, so I use those kinds of phones. The world tells us to drive certain vehicles, so of course, I drive those kind of vehicles. The problem is the world's standards are constantly, constantly changing. Fueled by slick marketing techniques and amazing technology, we're constantly told that we need the next new thing in order to be up to date. I was telling a friend the other day on the phone, well, I'm giving up, I'm gonna get a new phone. It stops in the middle of my conversations, the battery's constantly dead, and I'm gonna get the newest iPhone 7. I can't wait. And he said, well, you might as well wait September because iPhone 8's coming out. And I said, really? Yes, iPhone 8's coming out. I do all this because I wanna conform i want to fit into the culture to which i live these words are interesting i think the word conform it means to rearrange or shape or color or form of something it's cosmetic it's temporary paul says don't be conformed by this world rather paul writes be transformed by god the word transform means to change from the inside and paul's assessment was exactly correct that we spend much of our time and much of our energy rearranging our lives to fit into the world. And we spend precious little of our time and energy allowing God to change us at our core. If you go online and doc, type Dr. Larry Baker, <clears throat> you'll find a website under his name that describes a remarkable career as an internationally known speaker. He's a consultant, an author. He's president of the Dr. Larry Management Center in St. Louis, Missouri. Dr. Baker has made over 1,600 presentations to firms such as 3M and Arco and McDonnell Douglas, Motorola, Payne and Weber. Dr. Baker has more than 120 professional publications to his credit. He has been cited in Business Week, fortune time Wall Street Journal. Prior to creating the Management Center, he was professor at the University of Missouri, where he earned the Doctor of Business Administration. He received his bachelor's degree from Indiana University, graduating fifth in his class of 780. He was honored with a special achievement award at the White House by the president, an incredibly successful and effective career of service. Now, what you will not read is the fact that Larry Baker accomplished all of this after he became totally blind by virtue of viral infection when he was 25 years old. Baker married with three children and working for a family dairy delivering milk when he lost his eyesight. Describes himself, he describes himself in high school as a member of that one-third class class that made the top two-thirds look really good. But you see, that was the challenge that changed the course of his life and led him to such accomplishment when his physician told him, i will tell you something that will affect the rest of your life. You'll never see again, Baker said. He replied from some unexpected place deep inside him. He wasn't sure where it came from. Doctor, I understand what you're saying, but I will determine the effect it has on me. Baker believes now that everyone has some disability, some lack of ability to do what they need to do. It's just, how are you going to let it affect you? I'll admit, when Pastor Matt told me to preach on this scripture, I thought, I've done this scripture before. What new take can I give it? But then just a week ago, as I was pondering the words in the scripture, I was told by one of my very, very close loved ones that's near to my heart that I'm just so Christian all the time, it's just exhausting to the rest of the family. Now, I think that they meant it in a judgmental or a condemning way. But as I smiled and walked off with my head down, I thought, I'm on my way to being transformed. Nobody, nobody has ever gone broke giving more than they receive in life. Have faith in God and in so no less have faith in yourself and in your mission and in life and be transformed for God not of this world. And all God's people said, Amen. Thank you for listening to Talacol First Young Methodist Church's Sermon Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed listening to the message and that we hope that you come and check us out at talacolumc.org. Thank you and we hope you have a blessed week.